Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. In each episode, we'll have a frank discussion with industry experts to help brands and business leaders navigate the changing landscape of marketing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research at the Said Business School. I'm Julie Coleman, Chief Research Officer for Cantor. So our topic today is social video and branded content. I'm sure anyone who spends any time on their phone or on their computer recognizes that the amount of branded content in social video has proliferated significantly in the past years. But what exactly is it? How does it work? Why do marketers use it? What's its role in the marketing mix? And is it effective? And our guest today is Dr. Alex Connock. Alex is Managing Director of Missile Digital Studios and also an Associate Fellow at the Side Business School at Oxford with me. Uh, Alex, welcome. Thank you. Uh, so I want to kick off, actually, with a really high-level question, but probably an important one for the, the topic of this podcast episode. What do we mean by branded content? What is it? Well, I think that branded content is really content that's directly sponsored by a brand, where the brand is integral to the content itself, rather than the traditional model of advertising, where a brand would put their material on a platform, which might sit alongside the content, but wouldn't be directly integrated into it. And so branded content is where you might have a TV show sponsored by Heineken or a social video with a um, airline uh, putting their title page at the top of it. So it's content where by watching the content, you're directly seeing the brand integrated into that content. But which I think this is an important um, distinction. It's content which covers a kind of third party topic other than just the brand itself. Because if a piece of content was just about the brand, it would be an advert in the traditional sense. Whereas branded content, sometimes masquerading and sometimes legitimately, covers a third party topic, which is a topic of general interest, in which the brand is kind of tangentially involved, but isn't the central focus of the content. So can you give us an example of, of that, perhaps? in Well, I, th- there's doing? a show that I worked on, a TV show that I worked on back in the 1990s, almost at the dawn of the modern era of branded content, where it was an uh, entertainment TV show with bands 
and we had we had some pretty big bands on. I think we had the Spice Girls on, for example, at the very beginning of their career, um, which was sponsored by Heineken. And so Heineken wasn't being drunk in the show. And in fact, there were legitimate uh, broadcast regulatory reasons why that couldn't take place. We can perhaps come on to that later. But nonetheless, Heineken was, was achieving a brand association with the show. And I think what's interesting about branded content is that it's, it's manifesting itself across the full landscape of the media that we're consuming today, but in different ways. So if you sort of segment that down a little bit, in TV, it's um, limited, but reasonably transparent. So for example, in TV, you might find what they call a product integration, where there will be a, someone will be driving an Audi, and that, that Audi is kind of incidental to the drama, but nonetheless, it's very clearly visible within the drama. Or you might find Coronation Street sponsored by Cadbury's, a TV show in England sponsored by Cadbury's, the chocolate brand. And so you'll, you'll find that, that, that brands are present in the content, you know, across TV viewing and around the world that could be sometimes quite um, uh, prominent. So in Asia, for example, you might find a hair care brand very integral to a drama. There was a famous one that uh, Unilever made with uh, Head and Shoulders in um, China, for example, a big drama. Um, so, 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 so in TV, brand is integral to the content, but it's quite transparent. It's quite, it's quite clearly explained that that's going on. If you look at newspapers and publishing, you will often find those kind of promotional feature little bits at the top of the mm-hmm. um, article or, 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 or some other sort of uh, sophistry like that, which is basically another way, way of saying this was paid for by a brand. But often you have to be quite careful when you look at those sections. And you might, if you were just happening to peruse a business section of a newspaper, not realize that you're reading a travels section sponsored by an airline, for example. So I would say in the newspaper and magazine world, it's, it's quite prominent, but actually not quite so transparent it's not quite so so transparently expressed then if you come to if you like normal advertising there the branding in the content is absolutely integrated you know so so it's it's absolutely transparent and then finally in social media which we alluded to at the top you've had a whole new range of issues and so sometimes you'll find um, you know hashtag promotion or on an instagram feed or hashtag ad or whatever like that where an influencer is openly saying that they've been sponsored but many times in many countries in the world, you found influencers who have been paid to make content that, that, that appears to be promoting a band, but who haven't owned up to the fact that they've been paid. And this is creating all, all around the world all kinds of issues. So, so branded content is a very broad church with a, a, a very large number of different ways of being described from branded entertainment onwards. Um, and you, what you have to do if you really want to understand the sector is, is realise that it's, it's never going to be subject to a singular explanation. It's always going to be a rather complicated universe. The, the first part of that that you talked about, which was on the TV, where we have a brand sponsoring a programme or product placement within the programme, now that's been going on for a long, long time. You could argue that that brand sponsorship within um, TV, or in fact radio, has been going on since the 1930s. And in, in America, it's certainly in the 1950s, um, uh, cartoons and TV shows, soap operas, were, were sponsored by soap companies, hence the name soap operas. And, and, and certainly the American audience would have been inured to the presence of branding directly integrated to or around content right from that period onwards. Under different regulatory regimes in different countries, that hasn't always been the case. So, for example, in Northern Europe, including Britain, um, actually the regulations were much steeper and it was much harder to integrate branding into content. And it was only really in the late 1990s that the regulators eased up a little and allowed it to happen. And even today, it's quite hard, actually, to make a product integration into a, into a British or a German TV show. And there are quite a lot of regulations to overcome. And so uh, around the world, in Asia, you've got a rather liberal environment. In America, it's quite liberal. Although on network TV there still are regulations mm. in in the world, mm-hmm. the wonderful world of cable with no regulations at all, and then in the 
UK um, and, and Northern Europe, it's a, a quite tough. It's interesting because we had done some research at Kantar on consumers' responses to branded content and to product product placement in particular stood out to me in that younger consumers in particular are fine with it. They don't, It doesn't bother them at all. And I'm wondering, do you think that's because... They're, number one, they've probably grown up with it since it's it's something that's been around or became available to them in the in in their lifetime. But also, do you think there's an influence from social media and the and the influencers and all of the sponsored content in social media? Well, I think that, uh, and in fact, we've done some work on this at, at Oxford that the key test as to whether someone is tolerant of a brand integration is the level of transparency that they feel is present in the integration. And um, the, the the millennials, if you want to sort of call them that, I know it's a, it's a wider demographic than just millennials, <laughs> but the, the younger people, millennials, Gen Z and so forth, tend to respond well to content where they feel it has authenticity and transparency. And so, so there's nothing intrinsically wrong by in, in making a film about a, tr- a trip to Iceland with an airline as the sponsor, providing that it's clear that that was sponsored by the airline. I think where you get into tougher areas is where the content is somehow potentially pejoratively affected by who's sponsoring it. So we can come on to this, but the studies that we did where we looked at, for example, if an oil company was sponsoring an environmental documentary, there might be problems there that where people would say, hang on a minute, I'm not quite sure about that. Yeah. You know? So um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very interesting field, you know, where and when should you attach your brand to a piece of content? And it's neither true that it's always a good idea or that it's not a good idea. It's, it's, a, it's a very much a um, subjective and um, case specific area. So do you think, though, that there are some kinds of brands that are just more intrinsically um, suitable for, for branded content? I'm not sure that I do. I mean, I think there are probably some industries that you're, you're going to struggle. You know, it, it's quite hard to think of, of doing an exciting piece of TV entertainment around the rat poison industry or, you know. But but I think if you're taking the major sectors, I think um, it's take the oil industry is a good example. Of course, their sponsorship of Formula One is a very good example, you know, of, of branded entertainment, really, if you come to that. And sports in general, in fact, you know. So I think if you're a executive in a given industry, you just have to think, what would be a field of entertainment or factual TV, if we're talking about TV, which is um, relevant to us, but probably in a slightly tangential way where it doesn't look like that it's just about us. That's the interesting editorial junction that you have to navigate your way around. Well, and I guess to that point, what's what's the purpose of using branded content? Well, the, the key um, aspiration of all marketing at the moment is this magic engagement that you know you it's no good to just show people stuff you have to somehow involve and engage them in it and as a general rule of thumb if people are, are feeling more engaged with the content itself then they might be more in, in, likely to engage with your brand we actually really looked into this in, in, in a bit of detail and tried to figure out what you know what level of brand equity should be in a piece of content that, that where such that people would be engaged with it but working out a way that you could stop putting your brand into a piece before people disengaged from it. And in fact, what we found out in, in the research that we did at Oxford was that there was a kind of a cliff edge in brand integration. So if you imagine yourself by the sea, sort of walking gingerly up to a cliff, but slightly uphill, you would get up and up and up and up and up and you would just get to the top and then suddenly you'd fall off and that would be the moment that you'd put too much branding into your content. <laughs> but actually, if you're if you're into the maths of marketing, you would want actually to be on the very lip of the cliff because that's the highest point in the, in the thing. So, so what we did is we created a bunch of fictionalized but highly credible TV shows 
and then we had great fun imagining how we could put more and more layers of uh, brand integration <laughs> into them. For example, we created a, a car show uh, where, where basically a bunch of people were going around the world driving cars. And then we imagined that it had been sponsored as a piece of branded content. It was called A Nice British Adventure. And we started out with it just receiving funding. So that, and at that point, most people were on board with it having brand investment in it. And then we put that it was um, that funding came from a car manufacturer. At that point, some people dropped away. And then we said that car manufacturer's show, cars are shown on screen and more people dropped away. And then we put, by the end, we had, you know, people wearing T-shirts from the company that, you know, and so forth. That, and the, the, the spouse of the chairman of the, of the company giving the prize at the end. And what we were able to ascertain was actually that there was a moment in the lifespan of this kind of egregious process of ramming more and more branding into the show when suddenly things went horribly wrong. And this is highly relevant because in all the pieces of branded content that I've ever delivered, hundreds probably, about one in four of them, there's been a CMO in the company who has read some textbook which says, the more the merrier. <laughs> and has basically said, well, I'm paying for this content and then I'm, you know, I'm making a particular brand of bacon. And so I would like some people to be eating some bacon sandwiches during the show. And then um, actually could could everyone in the show also mention the bacon verbally? And by the end, I remember what delivering what bacon, it wasn't bacon, by the way, but, but delivering one piece of content where literally there wasn't a second in a three minute piece of content when the brand itself wasn't in multiple ways visible and audible on the screen. And so this CMO had achieved the goal. But of course, the customer feedback was awful. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In that research, another interesting thing that we did was we actually checked it out with different audiences around the world because of this point that, that some people are more inured to brand entertainment than others. And so we actually went to Hong Kong, uh, America and the UK. And what we expected to find was that the UK audience, having not grown up with branded content, would be much less tolerant of it. And we expected to find that the Chinese audience who had grown up with it would be much more tolerant of it. And the Americans were somewhere in between. And actually, we kind of didn't find that. And what we actually found was that the Brits were absolutely fine with it. And, and particularly the younger Chinese were absolutely fine with it. And the Americans were fine with it. But to broadly similar levels. And actually what that told us, that if you were transparent about it and you tell them this is what you're doing, then that's mm -hmm. absolutely fine. What I'm curious about uh, in your research, what about really short form videos? So I'm thinking like the three second or the 10 second, you know, an Instagram story type type thing, because, you know, one argument, counter argument to sort of having too many mentions of the brand 
uh, in a longer form video, a counter argument to that is, well, you, you kind of need to get it in in the three seconds. Um, yeah. So so would it play differently with those really short social formats? I don't think it would. And I think, interestingly enough, from my industry experience, so I, I worked for a period at a company called The Lad Bible, which is actually one of the, in fact, I think it's the world's biggest social video channel. And um, there was quite a bit of research there about where you should put the brand integration in a piece of short form video. And if you know that the sort of median time for watching a Facebook video at the time is about eight seconds, I think. And what we sort of stumbled upon was that probably putting it in at about three seconds in for about a second was probably the best solution. So you would hit the, per the person up front with the actual content, the story, if you like, the hook, the editorial content. Then you might have a small and tasteful sponsored by or brought to you by whatever like that. Then you'd finish the content off. Yeah, had you gone for the, the brand at the top, a lot of people might have switched off because they, they, they might have just said, oh, advertising, mm -hmm. I'm not interested in that. Had you had it at the very end, as you, to, to your point, because of the view to completion not being 100%, you would have lost potential viewers. So you wanted to put it somewhere in the middle. What? What do we want this content to do? Is this about simply driving brand awareness and salience? Is it about trying to create some sort of a linkage between what the content is and the brand in terms of perceptions or the brand image? I think that there are purposes for which branded content works really well and there are purposes for which it really doesn't. And a really good way that we tested that was we um, decided to look at whether you could um, position a brand according to the content that you associate it with. And we actually tried it with an oil company. So we created a fictional show called Surfing the World, which was a kind of uh, environmentally aware show about surfing in a sort of Gulf of Mexico or whatever. And um, we asked the audience, you know, whether they would object to surfing the world receiving funding uh, from a company, an unspecified industry. And the answer was, yeah, fine, no problem. You know, uh, roughly 10% of people would drop out, but no more than that. When we said it was an oil company, we lost about another 20%. And so I think if I was sitting in the board, a board meeting for a big oil company and somebody piped up and said, hey, I've got this great idea, let's let's sponsor a surfing show or let's sponsor a show about oceans because then everyone will think well of us. Actually, it's a much more sophisticated equation than that. I think you probably need to be careful that you, you can't use a piece of branded content to switch a perception from negative to positive in such a way. And, and in fact, the, the audience response got worse and worse as we uh, as we amplified the challenge where we said the, we said the oil company had a final say and then we dropped or lost another third of the viewers. And then the real critical cliff edge was when we said that that oil company doing the sponsoring had a track record of environmental damage and at that moment we lost up to 60 percent of all the all the potential viewers going back to the example you gave earlier of cadbury sponsoring coronation street which is an evening soap opera that's been on air in the uk for decades and decades what do you think cadbury is trying to get out of that is it simply that that's their target audience do you think they're trying to create associations between the two or is it just about salience well, uh, to anyone who's not in the UK, Coronation Street is a legendary soap opera which has been going since the early 1960s and tells the story of working class families in Manchester. It's all about family and, and slightly comic take as well. And I think if, if you were on the board of Cadbury's, those brand values would resound pretty well with your manifesto that you probably have at Cambridge, which they probably too think of themselves as being all about family and heart, heart and warmth. So that strikes me just kind of perceptually as a really good brand association, but it wouldn't be of necessity 
that during the show people should come out of the fish and chip shop and have a bar of chocolate or have a meeting, <laughs> you know, to talk about the childcare and have some chocolate on the table or any of those slightly egregious things. But there is an interesting point here, which is that the regulatory climate in certainly Northern Europe has for a long time been inimical to the idea of brand in or product integrations into TV shows and has said that that would be uh, to pervert the editorial integrity of the show and even the channel and that the advertising should sit in the ad break. But actually, it's an alternative view, which is that life isn't like that. And so if I say I'm going for a coffee, I'm probably more likely to say I'm going to Starbucks. And so actually, if you want if you want your editorial content to have a similitude, mm -hmm. you would actually want people to mention brands because that's the way we live. Even if someone had had a bar of chocolate in the show, it would have been potentially a legitimate brand integration if they would have mm -hmm. done anyway. Yeah. But, the, but then mm -hmm. it becomes a nuanced question of what, what kind of chocolate was it and was it sort of appropriate to that person? And the more, they, the more accurately that they segue their brand equity into the, into the overall thrust of the show, the better. And there's one other thing that we found out which was really interesting. So we also asked the same question about charities, which was fascinating. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to get to the bottom of whether charities should associate themselves with content. And actually what we found there is that, is that the audience was absolutely fine with it as long as they were transparent about it. Again, mm. if, it, if, it, if it were Greenpeace making that, that show, earlier show that I mentioned about the surfing, as long as Greenpeace state that they're, that they're sponsoring it and are clear about that, then that's fine. We've been talking about outcomes that are largely at sort of a higher brand health level, message associations, uh, brand favorability, awareness, salience, that, that sort of thing. But what, what about the sales outcome. Yeah, so, so I think that the sort of textbook sales funnel, I know it's sort of rather unfashionable now, sort of glib, <laughs> but, but you know, the idea of, was it awareness, consideration and activation? Is, and, and I think that the sort of conventional wisdom was that branded content might work at the top of that funnel, so in terms of the awareness, but the lower you got down in the funnel towards activation and sales, the more, yeah, that's fine, all that branded content, but now we just need to do the hard sell. And so actually we set out with some colleagues to um, find out whether that was true or not and to actually test different versions of videos with different styles and volumes of brand in them to see whether they would get people to actually buy. And, and, and one, of the, one of the sort of unspoken myths that we were trying to get to the bottom of was, you know, we all thought we lived in this marvelous Instagram world of everyone just flying off to Sri Lanka and taking these really cool pictures of themselves and having a little <laughs> tiny brand integration or something. But when it actually comes to making people buy things, we have to enter a QVC world of some awful person get, looking down the lens and trying to stuff. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what everyone thought. You know, it, 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 and, and actually, so is it true? You know, that's the, that's the question we asked. Because we knew and still uh, know that, that, uh, that e-commerce is this huge and growing maker of media. And if you visit if you visit any given e-commerce company now, and I've worked in a few, you will find um, whole teams of video makers actually making content there and then. So they've bypassed the traditional advertising industry and indeed the traditional content making industry, the newspapers and so forth. And they're making their own content, which they're directly putting onto Amazon or onto their own websites and what have you. And they're doing this because that three point three trillion dollar industry is, you know, going gangbusters and they know that content does better than lack of content in terms of any given skew as they call it or product listing and they also know that the level of media that you make for a product listing uh, is in direct is directly pertains to its success so if you put just a photo up 
you achieve a certain result. If you put a 360 degree photo up of the, the dress or whatever it is, you achieve roughly four times better. If you put a video up, you do better still, and imminently you'll be using AR to, 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 uh, to have the ability to dress, the, dress your avatar in the dress and so forth like that. And by 2020 or so, everyone will have their, their dimensions in the system of boohoo.com or what have you, so that they can see themselves wearing the dress. So anyway, we, what we did is we, we tested as, mu as many things as we could think of to see what worked. And so we made a bunch of uh, different variables of different videos to test, you know, w whether putting the brand in the middle or the end or whatever would work better. So the first thing that we tested was the length of the video. A really good question, actually. We made a video that was that was kind of a hard sell, but also a little bit of a branded content video about playing football and so forth. And we tried that at short, medium and long length. And uh, what we found out actually was that this short absolutely smashed it completely. <laughs> so it's really interesting is that people people uh, much preferred, much more likely to buy uh, with on, on the with click to buy thirty seven percent on watching the short one, whereas on the long one they're clicking to buy at twenty four percent. So notice noticeable difference, you know, very 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 noticeable difference actually. Um, the short length was strong enough to drive purchase, even though it underperformed on both information and entertainment. So the point of the video doesn't seem to be to explain more about the product. The point seems to be get my emotions engaged, get me engaged. Very and yet you said it underperformed yeah. on both of those. It's very interesting. And, and I wish I could give you I wish I could give you a perfect <laughs> interpretation as to why. Um, I think what it comes down to, and this is where this is where you have to be sophisticated as a marketing person, is when you come to the activation stage, you have to understand what journey people have been on with your product. But what, what we found is that if you already had awareness of the product, you are likely to respond well to a short video that is quite product specific. And, and so intuitively, that makes sense. So if I said if, if I say I'd like to buy a BMW at the weekend, then actually I'll probably be likely to respond quite well, not to a expansive half hour program about how great BMWs are, because I'm already kind of sold on the BMW, more likely to, to relate to a specific video about their five series diesel, whatever it is. Um, because because that will help me make my final choice. Do you see what I mean? And so so, so mm -hmm. you have to you have to. I'm sorry, it's introducing complexity into an already complex world. But you have to flex your video um, to your perception of where the customers are coming mm -hmm. from in that sales journey. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a very tricky point. So you still you still don't want to be hard sell, but you but the length and punchiness of the content has to depend at some level on where you think people have come from. It, it, that applies in, in other sorts of media as well. So there's a piece of research that, that we uh, did actually with Cantama Wood Brown probably about five years ago now, actually looking at mobile advertising. So earlier days of mobile ads, and this is published in Harvard Business Review. Basically, the finding is it's a memory jogging effect or a trigger. So if you've got prior exposure to advertising from that brand and you see like a tiny little mobile ad that doesn't convey any information, kind of like a three-second video or a short video, that can be enough to drive... A conversion are there are there cases though where in in some of the research you've been doing around this where it you know it's kind of fallen flat or it hasn't worked because because i can imagine it doesn't always well yeah because we then we the then results. thought we then thought okay so is it just the length of that video or is it what what the style of the video is so what we actually did is we we took a brand which we th assumed that the great majority of our users wouldn't have heard of it was a jewelry brand and we created every possible video we could think of for it <laughs> and so we tried branded content feature content um a hard hardcore sales a customer review uh, a voiceover and then we tried mute which was really interesting because as we know mm -hmm. some 51% of all video viewing is mute in fact it's probably higher than that now and we um, tested them all 
all against each other to, so, to try and get, if you like, a kind of a flat test as to what kind of video would work best. And interestingly enough, the ones that worked best were the branded content one, where we had a very soft sell, really no, no salesy lines at all, but just a general description of the kind of lifestyle and world that people were uh, occupying when they wore this, wore this jewelry. And also the mute Instagram video worked really well. So mm. there's 10 seconds, no sound. We found out some other really interesting things, by the way. I'll just quickly whiz through them just in case anyone's interested. One is that we, we assumed that just putting one item in each video would probably work best. I mean, it just kind of seems natural, but actually it wasn't true. We tried it on two different tests. We tried it with some uh, some clothing where, where we had multiple different items for sale in the same video. And we also tried it with a supermarket where, where there were multiple different items. And in both cases, people came back and said they would be more likely to buy based on watching a video with multiple different products advertised in it than a singular one, which is actually a really useful finding. Mm -hmm. And perhaps pertains, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, to this idea of of branded content working best when it relates best to real life. The final thing we found out was actually quite useful to marketeers, which is how do you um, make your offer? And, and if, if, if you're making a video, that the question is, do you try and make the offer during the video so that people will stop the video and click to buy at that point? Or do you make the offer at the end of the video? Or do you find a way of combining the two? And, and actually what we discovered was that um, you can allow people to add to their basket during the video, but don't stop the video. And that goes back to the very beginning of the conversation in a way, because what it says is that people want to engage with the content first and, and have the shopping as a kind of added and valuable extra, but, but nonetheless, they want this extant existence as a, as a viewer and enjoyer of the content. And if you interpose, add, click, click to buy right now, just because you happen to like the product, you, um, you're actually thwarting their ability to enjoy the content. And this is hugely relevant to the world of television advertising because television advertising is existentially challenged at the moment. And so a lot of the TV channels are considering whether they ought to incorporate e-commerce into what they traditionally have viewed as their commercial offer. And the obvious place to do this would be the video on demand channels. And what we discovered is that if you integrate the ability to shop the show without stopping the show into, for example, a Netflix show or a show on the ITV player or on HBO or whatever, as long as the show doesn't get interrupted, the viewer won't view that as a negative. And in fact, in many ways, they might view it as a positive because it enables them to join the world of the show without having it thrown down, thrown in their face. And they may very well prefer an e-commerce driven video on demand viewing of a show than a show with interruptive adverts, whether in the form of pre-roll or mid-roll. to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School and Kantar. Find more episodes and related content at uk.kantar.com or at sbs.oxford.edu. Thank you.